Hello, and welcome to People of the Pod, brought to you by American Jewish Committee. Each week, we take you beyond the headlines to help you understand what they all mean for America, Israel, and the Jewish people. I'm your host, Manya Brashear-Pashman. In 1996, actor Marlon Brando sparked controversy when during a televised interview, he stated that Jews ran Hollywood and expressed frustration that some Jewish filmmakers permitted negative stereotypes of ethnic minorities. A week later, he met with Jewish leaders and delivered a tearful apology. Fast forward to 2022. Jewish identity and anti-Semitism in Hollywood are back in the news. As we mull over the Oscar nominations announced this week, Jessica Shaw, an entertainment writer and host on SiriusXM, is with us to discuss some of the more contemporary issues. Jessica, welcome to People of the Pod. Thank you so much. So let's dive right in and talk about a term I really don't want to say, but Jewface. This is the term coined to talk about the trend of actors of non-Jewish descent being cast to play Jewish characters in films, most recently Helen Mirren as Prime Minister Golda Meir. It's enough of an issue, I would say, that Helen Mirren did bring this up when Guy Nativ, who is an Israeli filmmaker who's directing the film that she is going to be in, called Golda, she did raise it with him. Do you, I'm not Jewish. Do you want me to play this role? And he gave her an emphatic yes. By the way, Helen Mirren is a goddess. She is like anyone would be lucky to have her in their movie. She is talented. She's incredible. She's brilliant. So I hear you. On one hand, if you can get Helen Mirren to star in your movie, you get Helen Mirren to star in your movie. On the other hand, to me, it's worth talking about because it does reflect a pattern. Is This is not an isolated incident. And any time that it's something that occurs over and over and over, you start to scratch your head and say, okay, what's going on here? But there seems to be two arguments here, right? I mean, some people believe the woman who plays one of the most iconic figures in Jewish history should be Jewish. Others don't necessarily think Helen Mirren is a bad choice, but the decision is just too casual. Filmmakers seem to show more sensitivity when casting other minorities, such as transgender, African-American, and Latino roles. It's a very good question. It's something that is a conversation right now, and I think has been for a while. Jews, quote-unquote, get to claim minority status or whatever that means, often have white skin or, you know, can pass as well or whatever it is. And is that the same kind of problematic portrayal when you have someone who is not Jewish playing Golda Meir or any other person, Ruth Bader Ginsburg? I'm sure there are many people we can talk about, you know, sadly, too many people we can talk about. Is that the same level of offense, the same degree on the spectrum of offensiveness, a cisgender person playing a trans character? I mean, look at West Side Story, someone with South American parents playing a Puerto Rican character. This is a conversation that is happening right now in Hollywood and is worth addressing. I am of the mind that it doesn't, you know, if it's on the spectrum, you talk about it, you know, is it as bad as? That should be erased from the conversation. Well, it's also, I mean, there are a variety of definitions for Jewish identity. I mean, how do we determine who is Jewish enough for the sake of playing a role? 
this happened every so often. It wouldn't, I don't know, stand out as much as if it happened all the time. To me, anytime something happens all the time, it's not about Helen Mirren playing Golda Meir. It is about the fact that it's a consistent thing going on. And then you have to take a step back and say, what is behind this? What is actually going on? Because this is something other than, you know, oh, we just got the best actor to play this. Oh, we just got the best actress. This person is bankable and award-winning and, you know, has an amazing resume. And that's, to me, what is worth being investigated. You mentioned that this has happened way too many times. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio was cast in The Wolf of Wall Street, Christian Bale in American Hustle, Catherine Hahn as Joan Rivers, Felicity Jones as Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Have they not done these roles justice? I mean, in other words, is something missing? No, that is one thing that makes the issue that much more complex. I mean, I am like president, vice president, secretary and treasurer of the Catherine Hahn fan club. So for me, on one hand, I read she is being cast as Joan Rivers and I am doing cartwheels because I love her and I think there's nothing she can't do. And it is in my mind, okay, here's another example. This does not reflect on any level on Catherine Hahn or her talent or the talent of any of the other people that you mentioned. Because, I mean, give me a break. You're talking about Christian Bale, Felicity Jones. Like These are extraordinarily talented people. So it's not that they're doing the roles a disservice. They're amazing. It's just, what is it saying in a broader picture beyond how the film is, beyond what the box office is. I see. In other words, at a time when Hollywood really is trying to prioritize diversity, inclusion, cultural sensitivities, this seems to say to some in the Jewish community that the effort doesn't apply to them. And then there's the flip side. Some have also argued that when a Jewish actor is cast in a Jewish role, it's often a very stereotypical, neurotic, self-loathing role that they portray. Is that a fair generalization? I mean, is there a comparable typecasting for other minorities? I mean, certainly that is a common casting. And in many ways, Jewish characters, I would argue, especially Jewish men, are that Woody Allen stereotype, the kind of nebbishy, neurotic, smart, like you can draw the through line, you know, from Woody Allen, you know, to Larry David, etc., And yes, that is a very common and very comfortable portrayal. It is a warm bath to people. It's not confusing. It's not, oh, this is strange. This is not something I've seen before. They've seen it. They get it. And they're comfortable with it. So are there people like that? Yeah, a million percent. I mean, you know, I've seen every episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. So it's not that I find those portrayals problematic in isolation. It's just that when that becomes the character that it's quote unquote okay to have a Jewish actor play that character, it's like, yeah, yeah, cool, cool. But what about when it's someone else who has to be um, maybe a little more likable or maybe a little more, you know, I don't know, not stick out as much? Are we comfortable or just in general, someone who doesn't have neuroses about being Jewish and doesn't have 
self-loathing about it and a lot of issues linked to their identity. When that is a kind of void, then it makes you question what the portrayals are that we are comfortable with. So I mentioned the myriad of definitions for being Jewish, and we discussed that last week in the wake of Whippy Goldberg's comments on The View, that the Holocaust was not about race. Some said, right on, Jews are not a race. Others said, whoa, Hitler considered Jews a race. It was all about race. And her attempts to unpack the comments really seemed to only make it worse. What do you think executives found the most troubling about her statements, and why wasn't her apology enough? I struggle with this one because to me, I think that they were really in the, the, the executives were in the wrong in giving her that, you know, go sit in the corner, you're off the air for two weeks. And what she said was wrong. I don't, I, I'm, I'm critical of how all of it was handled. So what did they find? I don't know. I mean, I have not reported this, so I don't know this to necessarily be true. There were a lot of reports, you know, on page six and in a lot of publications saying that a lot of people, the brass like this, were really upset at, at ABC about her statements. And I understand that. And they should have been. And I'm glad it was a teachable moment. And I turned on The View, you know, here in New York City at 11 o'clock the morning after to see how this was going to be handled. And I thought it was really, yes, Whoopi Goldberg sat there and, and, and she read the word. I don't know if she wrote the words in the teleprompter. Maybe she did. I hope she did. She gave a thoughtful apology. They took the time to have a segment to talk about this. Hey, let's have this conversation, not just say, I'm sorry, and now we're moving on. And to me, that should have been a moment where executives said, good for you. And instead, it was not enough. Let's talk about another celebrity, Mel Gibson. Nominated for an Oscar in 2017, I believe. Still making movies. Might even make A Lethal Weapon 5 soon. But I, as a religion writer in Chicago, I personally spilled a lot of ink when The Passion of Christ came out in 2006, which many thought renewed the anti-Semitic charge of deicide. That same year, Gibson threw an anti-Semitic tantrum when police pulled him over for drunk driving. Why is he still working? I know that... I think every person has to make her own decision or their own decision about what they're going to do and what they're going to support. I know for me, I would never, ever go see a Mel Gibson movie, whether he is in front of the camera or behind the camera. So why is he still working? Because there are people, clearly, who are the ones who are bankrolling pictures or who decide this offense is okay and we're willing to overlook it. This offense is not okay and we're not willing to overlook it. And, you know, that line of who you're going to, you know, I mean, the cancel culture is certainly all over the news right now. And and this is, you know, but who you are willing to say, "Mm, it wasn't bad enough to say they can't work again. Everyone has a different line. A couple of quick television questions before you go. Season four of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel debuts next week, starring Rachel Brosnahan, also not Jewish, but I digress. You are a big fan of that show, yes? 
that's another tough one. You know, Rachel Brosnahan is great. I mean, what can you say? Is she bad in that role? She's wonderful in that role. The show is very well cast. And if that were in isolation, I don't think anyone would say a thing. In my mind, maybe it's because what I am particularly sensitive to as a Jewish woman, to me, I feel like it is very often Jewish women who are not, it's not okay It's for them to be played by Jewish women. So if, you know, again, if that were in isolation, I don't think it would be a big deal because it's on this very long list of Jewish women who are not played by Jewish women. It starts to, you know, you get that like, hmm, moment. What are the kind of the messages or what is the takeaway from Maisel that's good for the Jews? Anytime there is portrayal of, there is representation, it's quote unquote good for whoever it is. You know, a show like Transparent, and I'm not talking about any of the behind the scenes stuff that went on there, but just look at what that did for representation. So anytime there is another portrayal of someone, then it's not like, okay, every Jew on TV is fill in the blank, is, you know, Larry David, is Jerry Seinfeld, or whatever it is, because it's more than one thing. And good Lord, we need that all over the place. So is this show specifically good for the Jews? I mean, I don't know. She's funny and she's smart and she's self-sufficient and she gets out there and has, you know, I love Alex Borstein. You know, she's sarcastic and great and a hustler. All of that to me is secondary to the fact that there's a show on and it's not about like the Holocaust. You know what I mean? It's about Jewish people and period, no asterisk. Well, thank you so much for for joining us, Jessica. This is a good conversation to be continued. Absolutely. Thank you. Now it's time for our closing segment, Shabbat Table Talk. And joining me today is Anne-Sophie Sebon-Bekesh, director of AJC Paris. Anne-Sophie, Sunday marks 16 years since the death of 23-year-old Ilan Halimi, a Frenchman of Moroccan Jewish descent, who worked as a salesman in Paris in a cell phone store. He lived with his mother, who worked as a secretary, and his two younger sisters. Ilan was kidnapped and tortured for three weeks before being left at a Paris train station. And over 24 days, Ilan's mother received more than 600 phone calls from the terrorists who, subscribing to an old anti-Semitic stereotype, believed it was a Jewish family, so they must be rich and could afford any ransom. The case, as you know, and Sophie, generated immediate shock there in France. For the first time since World War II, a person was publicly recognized as having been murdered simply for being Jewish. But anti-Semitism has been escalating in France for many years, which is why AJC Paris recently conducted a survey of French Jews, French Muslims, and the general population to gauge whether it was perceived as a problem there. And Sophie, can you share some of the findings? Yes, of course. So the main findings of our survey are the following. First of all, it shows that anti-Semitic prejudices are still very strong in the French society because it's one-fourth to one-third of the French people who agree to most of the anti-Semitic prejudices that we have tested from, you know, Jews have too much power in the economy, too much power in the medias, or in politics. 
The second finding, I would say, is about uh, French Jews' experience of anti-Semitism. So 74% of French Jews have already experienced an anti-Semitic incident during their life, and it goes from an insult, a verbal attack, to a physical attack. The third number I would like to address is a positive one, showing that 73% of the French general population consider that anti-Semitism is not the problem of the Jews, but is an issue that the whole French society should deal with. And finally, because it's very significant, the role played by school in anti-Semitism in France, because more than 60% of French Jews, those who have already been victims of an anti-Semitic attack, have experienced it at school, at French public school. That is hopeful news, at least, that all of French society agrees that it is not a Jewish problem. You know, when news of this survey broke, it didn't exactly land quietly, which is also hopeful news. Prime Minister Emmanuel Macron posted a video statement on Twitter calling the fight against anti-Semitism a daily struggle, a European priority, a national and international action, and a fight for the dignity of everyone. It really caught his attention, yes? Yes, indeed. The, the thing is that the time of the release of our survey was very timely because we published it on the day of International Holocaust Remembrance Day. And as in the US and elsewhere in the world, it's a time of the year when the main political leaders have to address the issue of anti-Semitism. So, of course, we share the result of our survey with our high-level contacts in the government, at the Elysee, but also at the prime minister's office. And so, indeed, President Macron used it for one of his speeches for International Holocaust Remembrance Day, but also the prime minister Jean Castex, who traveled to Auschwitz on that day. I know that he traveled with our survey in the plane and also used some of the, the findings in his conversation. More broadly, there have been many reactions, many elected officials, MPs from the majority of the Parti En Marche, but also from the right wing, Les Républicains, who reacted to our findings on social medias. Also, you know, former Prime Minister Manuel Valls reacted and quoted our survey in the following days. So, yeah, it caught the attention of the French political leaders, especially in, during this year, where we are actually a few weeks before the next presidential elections. That must be so gratifying to know that the survey results had such an impact there. Sadly, of course, there have been other instances of anti-Semitic murders since Ilan Halimi. The 2012 murders of a teacher and three children at a Jewish day school in Toulouse. The 2015 attack on the Hypercacher supermarket. Yes, and actually other ones. There was also the murder of 65-year-old Sarah Limi in 2017. You know, the case and the trial for this murder was created a major scandal in France last year because the perpetrator was not judged. And finally, also the murder of 85-year-old Holocaust survivor Mireille Knoll in 2018. And I can recall here that AJC, we honored her grandchildren during uh, AJC Global Forum in Jerusalem in 2019. You were talking about Sarah Halimi's murder. The suspect was not prosecuted because he was deemed incapable of making a decision because he was high on marijuana, right, when the murder occurred? Yeah, exactly. It's a very complex case, but to put it in a nutshell, yes, the French justice decided that he couldn't be judged because of his mental situation at the time of the murder. 
Although the anti-Semitic dimension of the crime was recognized, but still there hasn't been any trial. And and since then, there has been like a suggestion of, you know, adopting a new law to change the French law on these specific cases. Well, so many innocent lives lost just because they were Jewish. And I appreciate the work that you've done to protect future generations there in France. Thank you so much, Anne-Sophie. May their memories be a blessing. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. In case you missed last week's episode, be sure to tune in to our conversation with Daniela Greenbaum, an Emmy award-winning former producer for The View. We discussed how Whoopi Goldberg's comments opened the door to discussing diversity in the Jewish community and to comprehending anti-Semitism in its many forms. Thank you for listening. This episode is brought to you by AJC. Our producer is Atara Lakritz. Our sound engineer is TK Broderick. You can subscribe to People of the Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or learn more at ajc.org slash peopleofthepod. The views and opinions of our guests don't necessarily reflect the positions of AJC. We'd love to hear your views and opinions or your questions. You can reach us at peopleofthepod at ajc.org. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to tell your friends, tag us on social media with hashtag peopleofthepod, and hop on to Apple Podcasts to rate us and write a review to help more listeners find us. Tune in next week for another episode of People of the Pod. 